Hey, can I give you some advice? I bet you could get some action if you open up to her about how bad things are at home. You deserve to shop around. Take her to happy hour. All right, my name is Jim. I'm glad you've chosen to be here today. We are doing a series that, well, it has an unusual title. Glad that you're here for this series called Bad Advice, How to Commit Adultery. Um, I'm not usually one to use a lot of sarcasm, but here is the sarcasm right in the title, and you're going to hear some more sarcasm as we go. And it's on purpose as we look at bad advice that really nobody actually says, but unfortunately, it's as if people listen to this kind of advice. We're going to compare that and contrast that with godly advice. So let's jump right into this and see where this goes. I'm going to ask you for some help on this. How many of you are married? Raise your hands high. Be bold. Be brave. All right. Now, the next question is uh, both services, people were not as bold and brave. How many of you are single? Thank you. Thank you. All right. Very good. Now, those of you who are single, um, I know that Coming away last week when we introed that this was coming, um, one single gentleman said to me, I'm, ah, I'll take a pass. I don't need to listen to that one. I'm not even married. I'm thinking, wait, 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 wait. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk right to you too. And so here's one way to look at this. Let me just add another. How many of you are seniors and you think, how to commit adultery? That doesn't even tempt me anymore. It's like a memory, ancient temptation memory. Like a, all right. So some of you are right there too. So. Wherever you are at, be looking for how this affects you because there are layers that we'll be talking about. Some are very blatant as it relates to the marriage covenant. Some are a little less obvious that you might, as you're single, thinking in terms of, you know what, every form of unfaithfulness is a spiritual adultery if I'm in covenant with God. Thinking those terms, that'll help you as well. Um, So singles, let me hear, now you'll raise your hands higher because you're completed in Christ if you're in covenant with him. How many of you are single and happy about it? Okay, and how many of you open to maybe uh, holding it up there to say, you know, I might be interested in marriage too? Anybody around? You know, there may be a connection here, you know? Anyway, moving on. Here's how we're going to begin. Well, no, let's, let's not go there yet. How many of you, literally last week you heard, we're going to what? Teach on how to commit adultery. And you're actually planning on committing adultery. You thought it'd be nice to know that uh, this is how to do it. Okay, so I haven't been successful so far. Nobody there. Okay. Jesus said in Matthew, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. How many of you have heard that said before? You shall not commit adultery. All right, almost all of us. You know, here, here's something really interesting about that. You don't have to be a believer in God to believe that committing adultery is something you don't want to do. Most people agree that that's something you don't want to do. It's incredibly painful. It really hurts the person that you love. Nobody goes into a relationship and thinks, you know, I'm going to cheat on you. They don't think that way. Believer, unbeliever, secular, not secular, the overwhelming idea is adultery is just wrong. It's just wrong. When, when somebody cheats on you, it just hurts. It's just wrong. However, that's a really interesting thing because here are the stats. 65% of husbands and 55% of wives will commit adultery according to Journal of Psychology and Christianity. Just say that with me. Wow. 
Actually, let's go, let's add a word. Ouch. Yeah, it's like, that's crazy, crazy bad. Now, I don't know if that just is a, one of those statistical anomalies because they, they narrow spectrum of what it seems really high, but let's just realize it's a lot higher than we imagine. It's a problem. Very, very painful, and it's rising because of our culture and the saturation of ideas and thoughts and interactions that are causing this to be even a greater problem. So that's why we're going here together. I'm going to start with a really important question, and it's a sort of an interesting one in relationship. Why is it that so many people who never thought they would ever commit adultery do commit adultery? Because, you know, it's like a, the joke, you know, how many of you are planning on committing adultery? Nobody raises your hand. It's only if you're already so far into the process of, of compromise that maybe you're actually making plans. Nobody before that process begins ever think they're going to go there. A lot of people are thinking, I would never go there. I know that's wrong. And that's the norm. So the odd thing is, even though that's the norm, I would never go there. The statistics are so high. What is it that causes them to go there? And so we're going to look at these stupid, bad advice statements as if somebody actually says it, but they don't. And yet people are going there. So what is it inside of us that causes us to go there? All right, here we go. Bad advice. How to commit adultery in three easy steps. Number one, neglect your marriage. Neglect your marriage. So let's just make it even easier. We'll just put some bullet points and just tell you exactly what to do. Here's what you do. Don't give them your best. Don't give your married partner the best part of you. Give the best part of you to work. Give the best part of you to a hobby. Give the best part of you to anything other than your husband. Just give your husband or your wife the leftovers. You know, give all of your energy and the best of you to something else. And now, that something else might not even be bad. Give it to your kids. Make sure your heart and passion, soul, it's all about your kids. Just give your husband leftovers. Just give your wife leftovers. Now, that's a formula that is going to lead right towards the place you say you never go. So give them, don't give them your best. In fact, give them your worst. Hey, we're married now. Oh, go take a shower. Well, you married me. Take the worst and the best. Here I am. Let me hug me, honey. Hug, hug me, hug me. Ah! It's like, right? You personal grooming. No, just let yourself go. Never exercise again. Eat like a dog. Now eat like a pig. And just be, I mean, you love me. You said you married me. You take it and don't leave it. I am who I am. <laughs> right? Give them your worst. And stop talking. Go out to dinner, stare at your plate, and eat. I've seen it. You've seen it too. It's sad. It's like, why do you even spend the money to go out? Because everything at home tastes terrible. Is that it? It's like, oh, man. We know everything about each other. We've been married so long. We've talked and talked. There's nothing new. Are you kidding me? You've got each other figured out? I've been married 30 what? I better figure this out. <laughs> <laughs> 30 bunch of years, 36. And uh, Gina's a sweet mystery. It's like, we don't have each other figured out. We are made man and woman. We think totally different. And so uh, it's nice to have that dynamic where we're different. But what really it creates is an ongoing dynamic that is never completely, I know everything. There's that mystery there that keeps it sweet. Oh, wait, this is bad advice. Stop talking. And stop dating. 
and stop working at romance. You're married now. Just expect it. Just expect it. Expect all your needs to be met. In fact, if it's not being met, guilt them. If you're spiritual, just add a verse or two. That really causes them to blossom like a flower. Mmm. It really does. It makes them just think, oh, yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah. Makes it really great and sweet. All right. So that's bad advice. Neglect your marriage. Secondly, enjoy common interests and form an emotional bond with someone else. So just to help you to do this, here are some bullet points on how to do this bad advice. Go by their desk. Or otherwise, make sure you, you know, your, your paths cross because you kind of know their work schedule. And you know that fluttery feeling when there was just this, there's kind of this connection. It's just fun. You're not hurting anything, right? Just, you know, interchange again at the water cooler or whatever. Just make sure you touch base and flirt a little. It's kind of fun. And then uh, catch their eye, and I don't really know how to do this for a guy. Dress provocatively. It's like, what do I do? Tuck my shirt in crooked here. What? Whatever. Girls, you know what I'm talking about. Dress provocatively, catch their eye. And then after you've had all this fun stuff at work, text them after work. And then, whatever you do, this is just for fun, but you don't want to mess it all up to keep the fun going. Never let your spouse know that this is going on. So hide this from your spouse. All right? If you're spiritually minded, let's just up it a little bit. Spiritually minded, here's what you say. I'll be praying for you. I really care for you. I've got you on my heart. Okay. Hopefully nobody came in late. This is all bad advice. Because if you came in, it's like, oh, man, they said that church was liberal. I'll say. It's, whoa, whoa. It's interesting, though. I'm going to listen to the rest. So uh, this is all bad advice, stark contrast that we're talking about. So bad advice number three, we've got neglect your marriage, enjoy common interests, and form an emotional bond with someone else. And number three, make excuses and rationalize your actions. So it might look a little bit like this, and I have them in front of you because we're just going to roll through them. Here we go. Next. She wasn't meeting my needs. If he would pay some attention to me, if I didn't have to put up with his blank all the time, so you're making excuses. At first, it starts to be self-talk to justify it's okay to talk to her at the water cooler. It's okay to just kind of rendezvous and flirt a little bit because mm, this is really bad. And then you start blaming them. You might even share that blame with that other person. And then this will make you feel better every time. Just talk this way, think this way. And pretty soon as you get further along, you might talk to others this way, okay? And then tell yourself this, well, I'm not happy. God wants me to be happy no matter what. Show me that verse, by the way. Um, my highest and best calling is that I would be happy. I mean, a pursuit of happiness, right? That's what our nation is all about, right? That's the highest and best calling. I hear it so often. Oh, that's right. I'm supposed to be sarcastic and promote this bad advice. I am not really going to go through with it. I really am not. I mean, I would never cross that line. I really wouldn't. I would never actually commit adultery. What we're doing is harmless. I'm just being playful. Ugh. Bad advice. All right, so when you get kind of closer, you're gonna have to up it a little bit, and uh, here's what I suggest. As you get really close, you got a close call there. Maybe, maybe, here's what you tell yourself. Maybe this other relationship was meant to be. And uh, maybe this is what God really wants for me. Now, as sick as this all sounds, I've heard it all when they're far along in the process, okay? 
They'd never say it up front. They'd never say that was smart up front. But in the middle of it, we're no longer the bad advice now. In the middle of it, <laughs> sin makes you stupid. And I know all about how sin makes me stupid, and it's just crazy. So let's switch to godly advice and talk this through a little bit. Godly advice. Do whatever it takes to radically reduce the risks. Say that fast and it comes out. Do what it takes to radically reduce the risks. Okay, but whatever it is, make sure you reduce the risks. Now, most people think I would never cross that line of committing adultery because I know how painful that would be and I would never do that to her. And yet, that line is far over there and what they don't realize is that they've already crossed a whole bunch of lines. Now, singles, as you're listening up, you're thinking, I'm not even married. I haven't crossed any lines, all right? If you're in a covenant with God, you are already crossing lines if you're not careful to, in your preparation for marriage, to not cross that line. All of us have to do the best we can to make sure we don't cross that line. Here's Jesus, and he follows up on his, if you've heard that it uh, is said, do not commit adultery, but I tell you, he's saying, it's not just that line over there. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And so the line is not over there. The line is much further over here. And there's a whole bunch of lines that you cross before you get to that line. And the line is, starts with a look or even earlier because the line and the adultery is here in your heart, and you have to be careful to get that solved because every decision along the way are decisions and patterns that are leading to the, that line, but you're crossing this line and this line and this line and this line to get there. And so this is what Jesus is pointing out. So single people, first of all, you are complete in Christ and can remain single all your life in covenant with him and feel whole. Embrace that, Okay. And you can commit crossing the lines in those ways if you're not careful. All right? Now, here's a powerful question. This is for married people. If your spouse could see a video, a video feed of you all day long, would your spouse be blessed by what they saw or hurt by what they saw? Aha, now this playful thing at the water cooler, this little laugh and the joking and the laughter and the, the little uh, interchange back and forth that you think is so innocent, but you would tell her about it or tell him about it. On video, it's very painful. That's a powerful, powerful question. By the way, we're getting closer and closer to everything being on a video. <laughs> There's cameras everywhere. It's like, and really, God sees everything. But imagine what pain it would be if all that hidden stuff was known. That's tough on married people, but that's a powerful question to think through. Single people, I need to get up in your grill too, all right? You're not married yet, but you're creating a pattern. Every line you cross is creating a pattern and a path, and you're heading closer and closer to destroying that thing that maybe you're hoping for. That's true for married people as well as single people. The path that you're on is either developing integrity or it's undermining your integrity. 
And so you need to make sure that you're not undermining your integrity because these lines you're crossing now that you keep telling yourself, I'm not hurting anybody, is undermining, undermining, undermining until you start acting as if that bad advice sounds pretty good down the road. And so be very, very careful there. So here's some bullet points to get you on the right track. Keep a growing relationship with Christ. Most of the time, this is very, very exciting. But excitement is overrated. Personal grooming is not exciting. Taking a shower is not exciting. Brushing your teeth is not exciting. You leave those out of your life for very long, and pretty soon, your social, you know, misfit, ugh, get away. You stink, you smell, you're bad, you know, Little deodorant, little cologne, little something, do something, okay? That's just at a, if you don't do the disciplines that seem boring, they cause problems. Now let's shift spiritually. If I don't do the boring disciplines of meeting with my heavenly father and dealing with my stuff inside and actually opening my heart to be renewed and refreshed and restored and merged with the power of Christ, I'm taking steps closer and closer to being stupid. And actually entertaining desires that I would never entertain before. And the simplest, earliest desires create more desires and more complex problems. And so those regular daily disciplines. I'm so thrilled with a new discipline that's just from your standpoint, you think, wow, that's really odd, maybe boring. I literally have a scripted daily prayer that I work through. It takes me about 40 minutes every morning and if I, personal grooming is about that long, my spiritual grooming takes about that long to make sure I'm covering all of the things and merging with Christ and experiencing restoring of my soul so that my stupid goes away, that my stink is washed off, that I'm walking with desires that have been renewed and are beating with the heart of Christ instead of the heart of flesh that has got dangerous default desires creeping in in a world like ours. Keep growing in a relationship with Christ. Keep growing in a relationship with your spouse. Never talk bad about your spouse. Surround yourself with strong marriages. Avoid all inappropriate media, places, and situations. Oh, it's just entertainment. It's all make-believe. Really? Then why are you acting like a peeping Tom walking through that window? Really? Isn't that doing something to you? Yeah, it's pretend, it's entertainment, but you're looking through a window. It's illegal if it's a real window. Just because it's legal doesn't mean it helps you. You are crossing lines all the time. Avoid all inappropriate media, places, and situations. By the way, a lot of the line crossing is taking place in what seems safe in social media. Adultery is rising, rising, rising because social media connections are taking place and reacquaintances are reviving and friendships are renewed and fires are flaming and careful there. And then never be alone with the wrong people. I like what uh, Dr. Harley of Marriage Builders says, so I'm going to just read it. He says, he's received plenty of flack from others who say his strong stance against opposite sex friendships is a ridiculously strict idea. He says, my response is this, if you, have, if you were to have an affair, it would be the most devastating experience in your spouse's life. He says, it rises to the level of losing a child, of having your house burned down, or of losing a limb. 
It's that bad. So for something that devastating, extraordinary precautions are reasonable. And so we're talking about reducing the risk and take extraordinary precautions. It's reasonable to not allow your heart to be bonded with an opposite-sex friendship. So you're going to want to say, it's innocent, it's fine, it's natural. I was trying to talk a friend down from a place that I thought was really bad and wrong, and he was in denial. He said, no, it's innocent. We just work together, we travel together, it's all fine, really, you're married. No, it's, it's, she's my soulmate. And I thought, oh, this is crazy. And I wanted to say, she's your soulmate. Mate, she's dragging your soul to hell. And that's a really important thing to be aware of. It's very, very dangerous, and he was already making excuses for it. Godly advice, radically reduce the risks, Invest passionately in your marriage. Invest passionately in your marriage. We're going to go to Proverbs 5, 19 and 20. The whole chapter is excellent. And it reads this way. Satisfy you always. May you ever be intoxicated with her love. Why, my son, be intoxicated with another man's wife? Did you notice the dot, dot, dot before satisfy? Did you notice that it's like an incomplete sentence? You know why I didn't fill out the sentence? Because I wanted to keep this service like family friendly. That's one of the reasons. The other reason is, if I actually read it out loud, I hate being embarrassed and public and blush. Go. Some of you are ready to look this up, and uh, I, I don't look this up yet. Write down Proverbs 5 and look it up later. Literally, it is so intimate and so raw and so private, in my opinion, that I'm not the kind of guy that likes to talk about this stuff. So look it up on your own. Talk it over however you want to, but process it because it's saying that married love is so satisfying, so intoxicating. It's so beautiful if it's godly in the right place that it gives you everything you need so that you would never want to have that satisfaction and intoxication in the wrong place because it's so powerful. It can take you wrong and it can keep you right. Be very careful here. So, here's something I know about me. I was at a men's group, and it so resonated with me, and it so resonated with something we got to get a hold of that I quickly, it was at a video session, and I just got out my phone and texted in the best I could remember, and I'm putting it in front of you now. I am not a mistaker in need of a life coach. I am a sinner in need of a savior. Pastors are going down left and right. I see this, I read this, I know about it, I have friends that have gone down where they think I would never do that, but then they do that. Because they think they would never do that, they don't put in the safeguards and they start crossing lines. And because they don't have the safeguards, they're not reducing the risk, they end up doing the thing they thought they would never do. I know I'm a sinner, so I'm putting all these safeguards, I'm telling you to do the same thing. Put in the safeguards, believe that it's possible for you to go there. If you're not building up your integrity, you're undermining your integrity, and you're going to step into stupid. Because one step into sin makes you more stupid. Self-deceived, more stupid, more stupid, more stupid. You would never listen to advice and do what people tell you if they tell you you're going to do this. You say, no, I'd never do that. But every time you take a step, you become more stupid. So, we need a savior, not a counselor. We need a savior, not self-help. We need a savior. And if you have a savior, here's what a difference it makes. 
If we aim everything to our satisfaction, remember that this married love is satisfying. If we, we aim it all for that satisfaction and that intoxicating wow in marriage even, then we say crushing things like, you are not meeting my needs. But with a Savior, our upside-down heart is turned right-side up and thinks instead. You're not even saying this. Thinks instead. How can I serve you? How can I meet your needs? That flipping that upside-down is what changes everything from to beauty because each person in covenant with one another is seeking out how to serve and meet each other's needs instead of self-centeredness. And then the satisfaction level rises and the intoxication rises. The frequency rises. And am I blushing? Moving on. Godly advice. Do whatever it takes to radically reduce the risk, invest passionately in your marriage, and visualize the potential destruction. So remember that person that I said, well, she's my soulmate. I could see where I was going. You could see that he was already on the entertainment edge of... I've never been happy like this before. I've never felt so fulfilled before, like somebody really gets me before. I never really felt that. And so now you start saying, maybe I'm supposed to be happy. This is the person for me. Well, here's some stats. What percentage of people actually marry the forbidden lover? 3%. That's not very good average. <laughs> what percentage of those marriages end in divorce? 75% of that 3% ends in divorce. And what are the odds of a lasting marriage with that lover? 0.075%. Soulmate, you think this is going to make you all happy? It's not going to work. It's not going there. The odds are against you. You're heading for destruction. So let's look beyond where the temptation is and how good it feels and where we are right now. Yes, and making the best of it. No, take your eyes off of that. Look down the road to what's going to happen. Gentlemen, you're going to have to have a conversation with your kids. It goes something like this. I can't live with you anymore. Your mom and I are not going to be able to work this out. Ouch. Women, imagine the same conversation. Remember daddy's best friend? I spent too much time with your daddy's best friend, and so we're never going to live together anymore. Ouch. I watched a movie one time that was very, very vivid where the wife knew that her husband was cheating and knew that's what he was off doing right then and there, off in a field. So he, she sent her teenage son to deliver a message to his father. Caught him in the act. Ouch! Look down the path at the ramifications of where this thing is going. It's horrible. Getting caught in secret sin is horrible. But there's one thing worse, and that's not getting caught. A gentleman after first service told me I was so glad I was caught. And he went to prison. I was so glad I was caught. It was horrible to think that I was going to be caught and I was going to go to prison, but I was so glad I was caught because I was relieved. Finally, the madness of my mess was put to a stop. I was so glad I was caught. Can you imagine how awful this thing goes? In Matthew chapter 5, verse 30, Jesus said, it is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. That's why not being caught is worse. Okay? Secret sin. Do you know the easiest way to deal with secret sin? 
tell the secret to somebody. That's the easiest way to stop it. That means you stopped it before you were caught and now you're going through the right process. Okay? And if you go through the right process, now if you need to tell somebody, here's what you look for. You look for somebody that understands Jesus as a Savior, understands grace, understands that we're all sinners. If they understand those aspects and you talk to a brother, if you're a man, a sister, if you're a woman, say, I have this secret sin and I'm not telling anybody and I don't want to go the direction that Jesus says. Now, if you, don't argue, you don't need to argue with me. I'm, I'm not trying to interpret anything. This is Jesus' words. If you don't go to radical, radical steps to do whatever it takes to stop the pattern, you're dragging yourself to hell. Now, I don't know if that means you can still be saved and experience hell on earth, or if it means you're dragging yourself all the way to hell and fooling yourself. Okay? Take that up with Jesus. But that's a very solemn place to be. Now, when we're talking about think ahead, think of the pain, think of the hell, some of this is too painful for some of you because it's not imagination. You've already experienced it. You know it's painful. I'm not trying to grind you up. Okay? And I'm not trying to grind anybody up in the middle of secret sin. I'm trying to offer the Savior and offer you hope. God loves you, even those of you who are stuck. God has a path of restoration for you. He has a path of forgiveness for you. Those of you who have been through the mess, he has a path of restoration for you. And even though it hurts even to hear this stuff, if you walk on that path of restoration, you come up to me and say, I'd like to help. I'd like to tell other people to avoid the mess that I made. And if they're leaning that direction or they're stuck there, I'd like to help them out of this path and this pain. I'd like to be a part of the answer. He has a path of restoration for you. Here's the Savior. Let's come to him. I want to just suggest a prayer to bring us before him. Let me read it for you first. I've phrased it for all of us so that if you're single, just add the word future marriage if that is something. If not, just consider your covenant with God, what we're focused on here as your desire to be faithful to him. Dear God, you desire trust, love, joy, peace, and security through faithfulness. In a covenant with him, that's what he desires with us. I desire this too. Married people, you need to desire this for your marriage. Lord Jesus, I need you. Will you show me where I can add strength, protection, and beauty to my future marriage? Holy Spirit, I invite you, I invite your power and purity into my life and into all my relationships. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now, if you're ready to pray that, basically what you're saying is, I can't fix me in a self-help project. I need Jesus, I need a savior, I need help. I believe that's true because we just don't have what it takes to do this on our own. Let's stand up and ask Jesus to wash us clean. Maybe you aren't tempted, maybe you're clean already, but this is just asking him to keep you strong and pure where you are. Let's pray this together out loud. Dear God, you desire trust, love, joy, peace, and security through faithfulness. I desire this too. Lord Jesus, I need you. Will you show me where I can add strength, protection, and beauty to my marriage? Holy Spirit, I invite your power and purity into my life and into all my relationships. In Jesus' name, amen.